ladies and gentlemen, niggas and crackers, guys, gals, and, and non-binary pals, hot girls and city boys, saints and ain'ts, and, and all our Harlem family, family. Welcome, welcome to your very own podcast. Episode of your beloved bi-monthly broadcast, Harlem's very own, featuring, as always, your two magnanimous co-hosts. I am Justin Winley, aka the Just One, aka Special Young Black King Cannon, joined by my boy. Wait, Justin, I'm sorry. Okay, no, the way you, the way you, we just played that Nick Cannon joke. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, classic. All right, yo, what's up? It's Jude, a.k.a. Terry McNiggas, a.k.a. Pimp Astley. Never gonna give you up. Never, Never gonna, gonna let you down. Officially joined by our third mic. Go ahead and introduce yourself to the people. Oh, good afternoon, family. It is your boy, Amaya K. Simmons, a.k.a. Mr. Brofius, a.k.a. Mr. Broly. Uh, you know, going to <laughs> Super Saiyan out here, y'all. I uh, just want to say thank y'all for having me and thank y'all for having me come aboard. So, yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, Jude and I, you know, we ran the podcast by ourselves for a year. We had a mod on a couple times and we realized, hey, this thing's only going to get bigger. We're going to need some more hands on deck. Um, and, you know, like we said last time, a mod's from Harlem and you heard his flow. You know, you know how he did. Yes, he fit right in. <laughs> so there's a couple new things we're looking to do this year with the show um and one of those is we're trying we're trying out different ways to uh, streamline it obviously with the addition of a mod you know we're going to be updating our cover art all that stuff will change at some point but uh you know all in due time uh we knew that we just wanted to get him in here to help increase the chemistry of the show uh so we're going to start solidifying our segments um, because we realize that even though we are a variety talk show, we do kind of tend to hit the same sorts of topics every time. So uh, we're going to start off with our pop culture segment called What's Poppin'? Shout out Jack Harlow. And we're going to throw it to my boy Jude for Yo. the uh, latest What's Poppin' is everything and, you know, everything celebrity, everything trending. Uh, and so we're going to talk about what's going on. Everything celebrity is fucked up right now. Yes. So, <laughs> so Kim Kardashian and Kanye West just recently announced their divorce again and another divorce that's happening is dr dre and his wife nicole young mm -hmm. uh they've been married for over 20 years and they've now decided to go their separate ways but it's turned into an ugly divorce mm. dr dre's wife has filed for divorce due to irreconcilable differences she has been kicked out of their um of their brentwood home into their malibu home which is whatever because not not such nice. a bad demotion. No, it's not. <laughs> Malibu, go to the beach, or where OJ bodied the bodies bodied his wife. Oh, and right. then <laughs> uh, she has asked for two million dollars per month in spousal support. This mm. includes nine hundred thousand for entertainment, one hundred thirty-five thousand for clothes, ten k for laundry and cleaning, and a twenty thousand dollars cell phone, internet, and email bill. Good God, <laughs> I, I know. She is trying to take claim of his stage name, Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre's regular name is Andre Young. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and his album, The Chronic. She wants to take ownership of those materials. Okay, now his what? And that classic album. And I'm not done yet. Oh, okay, there's more. There's more. <laughs> God. She wants a 21-hour deposition to discuss the legality of their prenuptial agreement that they signed right before they got married over 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Dre is saying that his wife is not his now <clears throat> estranged wife is being spiteful, is trying to rip him off. And she has asked him to pay $5 million of her legal fees. And then also she has embezzled money from their record company, uh, Aftermath, and this shit is so messy. Dr. Dre has suffered a brain aneurysm mm-hmm. in his house, just got robbed. Yeah. While he was in the hospital. This is this divorce was announced, uh, I think, in the late summer, early fall. We didn't talk about it because we weren't gonna be that messy, but we're just the added things of the brain aneurysm and um the break into his home mm-hmm. it, it it just got too messy for us to not talk about it that is what has happened with dr dre and his wife and i'm very concerned about um his brain aneurysm because i have a close friend of mine whose father passed away i think i think four or five years ago no six years ago now he he suffered a brain aneurysm on the street and he went to the hospital and was fine. Mm-hmm. Fine. He he was able to go back home, but it was the beginning of the end. Yeah, yeah. He died, like, I think a year or so after his initial incident of having a brain aneurysm. That's so, a powerful uh, event, yeah. To, to yeah, have. it's super stressful, man. Like, I can't imagine the stress Dre is under right now. So my 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 first question is: Do you know like what like what claim would she have to his creative work, like his his stage name and his album? I don't know. They they said there was some type of agreement that they made together that they both signed something, mm-hmm. but I don't know how solid that is. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not in any legal um, studies right now. Mm-hmm. But my initial thing is like, yo. You weren't there when he came up with the name Dr. Dre, and you weren't there when the chronic was being made. Mm. I don't think you could be able to profit off that. That's my ethical thing. Yeah, right. he might be whatever differences y'all have, and he could be wrong, but don't just try and profit off of what y'all but, yeah, what, what happened. Independent she already and she already raised his kids. They're grown. Seven They're of them. Older. Seven of these motherfuckers. Not even all hers. Because yeah. <laughs> Dr. Dre was out here being a thought before her. <laughs> Before her, and he's has a history of not being an amazing father, mm. and and but all those kids are raised like their daughter. Truly, I think she's just turned eighteen or nineteen, mm-hmm. and she came at Fifty Cent. Actually, Fifty Cent said called her mom a bitch, and she was like, "Listen, man, watch your mouth. This, this is my family. These are my parents. You're yeah. broke, and you spend all your money on steroids. Shut up." <laughs> oh my god! Yo, the daughter <laughs> went at that nigga. <laughs> She's like, you were broke 2000s rapper who went bang. Did she lie? <laughs> she didn't lie. She didn't lie. Like, yeah. Well, I was, I was going to say like, um, 20 years is a long time for, for uh, like, when you talk about celebrity marriage, uh, it's a very long time. Yeah. Unless they die. <laughs> right. And especially for rappers. Um, uh, so I'm surprised, like I, I hadn't known, I guess I hadn't really consciously known that Dre was married. And then to hear that, it, yeah, 1996, that is a long mm-hmm. time. 
Um, that's, when, that's the same year. It's actually over 20 years then, because it's the same year that my parents got married in 96 as well. Um, yeah, so that's tough. I mean, for, for life to just come down on him like that. And there's been a, I mean, I thought it was going to be, uh, when I heard he was in the hospital, I thought it was going to be COVID related because nah. that's been the thing recently. Um, Larry that's when they get COVID. Yeah. Larry King. <laughs> just... one of Tom Hanks, like <laughs> Dr. Dre, bro. Yeah. The chronic, the headphones, Eminem, 50 cent game. Anybody under aftermath. Yeah. You got too much money. Yeah. You got too much money to get COVID. <laughs> True, true. It's a very arrogant thing to say, but like... I mean, I guess when you put it like that. You're um, in quarantine in your crib and you have everything you want. Yeah. You have a neighborhood in your house. I mean, good point. Good point. But that didn't stop. Like I was going to say, like Larry King landed in, in in the hospital for it. Jeremiah caught COVID too. But Jeremiah was probably out partying. He just and, and, Larry, and Larry King is old. He can get COVID <laughs> just by breathing. He's old. He's like 100. <laughs> Dre posted a message this is from TMZ thanks to my family friends and fans for their interest and well wishes I'm doing great and getting excellent care for my medical team I will be out of the hospital and back home soon shout out to mm-hmm. all the great medical professionals at Cedars one love and he posted it with a photo of himself in the stew yeah man strength to Dre you know he's a legend um, oh. I hope he can recover and this divorce is going to be rough I don't think he's going to get out of it unscathed but Oh, no, 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 no. He's just going to lose, you know, close to $50 million, maybe some shit. Yeah. I mean, he'll still have his... I'm just guessing. His, he'll still have his uh, his brands and his sponsorships, I think, hopefully. Well, I, I, I say hopefully, but it's not like I know the dude. Like, I don't know, maybe he deserves the divorce. I mean, like, he has a history of being pretty abusive to women. He, uh, what happened to him? And he, he, like, choked and hit uh, D Barnes. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was a host of uh, Pump It Up on, I think, MTV or some type of music uh, channel from the 90s during the NWA beef with Ice Cube. And Ice Cube had an interview, and NWA had an interview, and, they kinda, and the network kind of just, like, put those two, you know, from episode to episode to kind of, like, just fuel the beef and bring up viewership. Mm-hmm. And Drake confronted her about it, but got a little, got a little OJ on it. Got a little, got a little too much, and he got arrested, and she sued him. She came out to talk about it recently, and there might be more behind it that we don't know about. But she has chosen not to speak on certain things. But yeah, Dre is kind of a, you know, there's some, there's some skeletons in a man's closet. Well, I love the chronic, but I believe in redemption. I hope. Yeah, of course, but you know, you reap what you sow, and. Uh... Whatever happens, happens. Um, yeah, that was, I mean, like like Jude said, you know, the Kim and Kanye news, we thought about going into it, but then there's all this mess with like whether the Jeffree Star rumors and I just oh, didn't feel weird. like, I didn't have the patience to go all the way into that. Um, there are a lot of people talking about how he's going to make, uh, you know, obviously the next album, you know, is going to be uh, like 808s and Heartbreak 2 or whatever. And uh, That sounds amazing. <laughs> um so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Like, like Jude said, it is, it was an unusual pairing to begin with, mm-hmm. but I mean, they were, what, it was like seven years and they had like, or maybe long, I don't know. They had four kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 
I mean, the the little bit I did read about it suggested that they're trying to do it amicably, um, and you know, for the sake of the children, which they do seem to have like raised, um, like their family unit from. I guess you know, it's it's they're all still young, all the babies are still young, but they do kind of seem to try to be keeping them together, and like that's a big old family of rich people. Um, I don't know. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> they get divorced. They get divorced. Our next segment in this corner is exclusively devoted to fight news because we're all Ooh. martial artists, as you all know, and uh, we like to talk about wh- who's going to be punching each other. So, my my dear sir Ahmad, uh, what's happening in UFC land? Dost thou yes, know? Sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Well then, Spitzbot, uh, <laughs> it's been some latest news about Mr. Israel Adesanya, who mm-hmm. um, is uh, getting ready for his fight with Mr. John Blachowicz in March. Yeah. And uh, recent news that just came up saying that he does not need to bulk up for his fight with Mr. John Blachowicz. Uh as we know right now, Mister Mister John is a a good old two hundred five pounder, and mm-hmm. um, is in the light heavyweight division. Mm-hmm. As well, Israel will be fighting him in there. So he just had his well, recently had a fight with 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 Mister Costa as he beat his ass in the ring, and I watched that fight. It was pretty glorious when he was kicking the fuck <laughs> out that leg, and um, he has the he has the middleweight championship belt as of, as we speak right now, and um. Homeboy is definitely on the come up. It's it's not even on, on the come up. He's just rising as time goes on. Yeah, He's sitting at yeah. twenty and zero right now. No draws or nothing. He's he is he is definitely a monster in that in the in the in the octagon right now. So yeah. um, in in my eyes, as I see it, um, haven't really seen. I haven't really watched any fights on uh Mr. Blockowitch, but pretty sure he's a competitor. He's a, he's he's definitely a, a a good competitor for for Mr. Israel. And um I have no doubt in my mind that it would be a good match, but I still believe that uh Israel will come out on top on this one. He's a yeah. he's, he's a nice yeah. he's he's more of like a snake in 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 in, in the octagon where he like sees the movements before he acts uh, on stuff like that you know he yeah. uh gives people some nice little face here and there then he, he attacks whenever he feels like it's right yeah so uh yeah i think so i think um thank you for for opening us up good sir um i think mm-hmm. that uh like polish names are weird i think it's pronounced blanchowicz is like the it's the blachowicz like blachowicz. the w is ah. a d it's a uh, Blahovich. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Well, yes. this man, Jan Blahovich, uh, we'll we'll do our best, sir. Hey, if you're listening to the show, come on and correct us. Um, I saw him when he fought Dominic Reyes, uh, slammed Take him. that boy apart. Yeah, it was it was brutal uh to watch. And he's he's a really interesting dude. He doesn't have the typical UFC fighter personality. Uh, nah. which is very refreshing. A lot of those guys, like you'll, you'll, there's different archetypes. Usually they're either cocky or they're just completely like taciturn. They don't speak at all. Uh, but Jan is, he's very bright. He's bubbly. He likes what he does. He knows he's good at it. Um, so, you know, I don't mind seeing this fight. I do think Israel's going to win. Jan is exactly mm-hmm. the type of fighter that Israel has routinely proved um, he can best uh, in combat. And, um, you know, I mean, certainly if he loses, it's not going to be because 
he's like quote unquote the smaller guy because we've seen that criticism leveled against him hundreds of times is what they said about Costa and we know what happened to him so um and also Israel Adesanya is still big like that dude's tall as shit four. he's like 6'4 yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's Reaches huge height and and actually he's your weight too I think right or me me and him are like naturally me and him are on the same weight I'm two ten and he can walk around I think like two ten yeah maybe so if, if y'all have seen Jude in person that's how big Israel Adesanya is so he's not he's not puny uh, which a lot of people let he just carries his weight in a very slender lean way um, mm-hmm. and when you put him up against someone like Yoel Romero he looks smaller by comparison. Obviously, look, I mean, the end game is John Jones. That's yeah. what this is all building towards. So, <laughs> um, I mean, what do y'all think? You think he takes the light heavyweight belt? And then, because if for those of you who don't know, Jones vacated the light heavyweight, uh, mm-hmm. which means that he beat everyone in the division, although it's arguable that he could, that he lost to Dominic Reyes. That's a controversial fight, but he won that on decision. And at that point, some fighters can elect to say, hey, I've beat everybody. I'm bored. I'm going to move up to the next rank and let the rest of them fight for essentially second place. Even though they'll have the belt, um, he already proved that he's the king of the division. So he vacated the belt. Now, people have been talking about uh, Israel Adesanya fighting him since Izzy first came on the scene uh, because of his just explosivity, his, his dynamic nature as a fighter. Just, and him being black. <laughs> and him being black. Yes, that also. Um right. everyone was eager to see him go up against John Jones because they were oh. like, he could be the, he could be the next GOAT, right? That's the idea. Even though, like we talked about before, UFC is like 15 years old. Maybe Not 25. Oh, 25. Okay. So yeah. so but so much younger baby, than boxing, bro. yeah. And and most other sports to be talking about like GOAT. But yeah, mm-hmm. Hall of Famer, I'm sure. Adesanya will have a Hall of Fame entry. I mean, that's there's no question. Um, but yeah, y'all think he if he takes out Blanchovitz and gets the light heavyweight, do you think he's going to stick around in light heavyweight, or do you think he's just going to move up to heavyweight immediately after and try to chase John Jones? Because it's really, uh, I think it's Adesanya's fight to make. Jones is he doesn't have he does. Uh, Jones has two fight, two possible fights: Francis Ngannou and Stipe Miocic at heavyweight. He has to, you know, he wins those fights, which I think are, are very likely. Uh, but then, you know, we have to wait and see what happens with uh, Adesanya and how long heavyweights take with their fights. Yeah. But I think it, if all goes well, the stars align, we can see them fight in like 2022, 2023. Yeah. Yeah. What I mean by like, it's Izzy's fight to make is that that's, I think what a lot of people say is that he's, he's the newcomer. So mm-hmm. he's the one who would have to step to Jones if he wanted, you know, Jones doesn't really have an incentive to fight him. It's kind of like the senior fighting the freshman or sophomore, okay. you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, so it would be Adesanya, it would be on him to to really want the fight. But they've just been kind of, you know, jawing at each other for a year and a half now. Um, and we haven't gotten anything conclusive, but we know the money's there. We know fans would like to see it. Um, I definitely would want to see it. I, they're two of my favorite fighters, you know. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to this fight on March 6th. And we have something else to look forward to, the return of Mr. McGregor. Yes, sir. yes, yes. Mr. 
Mr. McGregor, he is on the he's he's returning, but you know, some people are excited, some people aren't. Me, uh, I'm sort of in there, but we still gonna talk about his ass. Um <laughs> uh his last fight, it, it ended in a good old 42nd, uh, a good old 42nd loss. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, uh, regarding his his return, he will face Mr. Mr. Poirier. Um, I'm trying to make sure. Poirier, yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, I don't want to want to make sure that I say it right and not butcher it. Um, and so uh, he's going to be facing him. Pretty soon on January 23rd, which is in a good two weeks to two and yeah. a half weeks. Yeah. So um, it'll be at UFC 257. And um, yeah, his his last fight was uh, uh, during it was UFC 246, where he faced Mr. Donald Cowboy Caron. And yeah. so, yeah, he's he's standing yeah. at he's standing at a good 22 and four. And um We'll just see how things go with him. And I know, and I'm pretty sure you and uh, the both of us, well, all three of us, we, we talked about his uh, agreement to fight uh, Jake Paul. Did, it, did he agree to that or was he just called out? He was, I'm pretty sure he was just called out. Knowing him, you know, it's definitely a money grab. So it's uh, no doubt in my mind that he would go on with that. But first he's had, he's focused on this uh, upcoming fight with with Homeboy. So yeah, what do you guys what, what, what do you guys think think on this one? Are you guys excited about his his comeback, or are you guys just like oh, okay, he's here, he's here again? These or, two fought before. They did. Yeah, they fought before, and he he just picked them off effortlessly. It was an effortless win. Poirier's tough a tougher opponent now. He has experience. He became an interim uh, lightweight champion. I don't I don't think he did. He I, don't, I forgot if he fought Khabib or not. No, I think he did fight Khabib and he lost. But Khabib's Khabib. I, I feel like the same thing's going to happen. McGregor's going to win, but it'll be a tougher fight, but McGregor's going to take this boy out again. Probably. Yeah. Mm. He certainly had um, he had no time for Cerrone. Like Ahmad said, he ran through him in 40 seconds with nothing but shoulder bumps, which was a move that prior oh. to, I hadn't thought legal. Uh, but <laughs> he right. definitely... I didn't know you could just hold someone's arm down and smack them in the nose with your shoulder like that. But I mean, he did it. And um, <laughs> if it if it was one of those things that's borderline, it's Conor McGregor. He's the UFC's golden boy. So they were going to let him get away with it. Um, I, I mean, like, you know, with Khabib retired, right? That was the rematch people wanted to see. But Khabib was like, or Habib more accurately, he was like, I already beat him and I beat Poirier. I'm not going to stick around to fight him again. Plus my father passed away. I'm not going to keep doing this without him. I'm done, which I thought was a very admirable um, move from him. You know, he came to do what he, what he came to do. It's never really been about ego with Habib. um, As far as I can tell, I mean, he's, even though he's popular among fighters and in the UFC and he kind of gained like this, this, this uh, persona, around himself because you know but he was never the dude like he's not gonna make jameson irish whiskey you know what i mean no. or a proper 12 rather um like like mcgregor did so he's not that type of dude he, he was there for the fight um so yeah i i respected him stepping down and once mcgregor beats poirier which he probably will only thing left for him to do is 
I mean, is there anyone else in that division for him to fight or who could be? No, no, for McGregor. Oh, McGregor, um, Charles Oliveira, who's uh, who just whooped Tony Ferguson's ass, mm. nearly broke his arm. No, I'm sure he did break his arm actually. Mm-hmm. Um, there's damn, who else is in there? I guess Nate Diaz again. There still should be that third fight, you know. Mm-hmm. It's one and one. You got to finish it. Right. Uh, I forgot who else is in the lightweight division, but the main like kind of tournament they had set up was Ferguson, Oliveira, and Poirier and McGregor. Oh, and um, this new guy, uh, Michael Chandler, who was a champion at a uh, Bellator. Mm. Yeah, and if, I think he's coming in pretty hot. Uh, he has a fight coming up soon. I think it's against uh, Dan Hooker, who's on uh, Adesanya's camp. And um, gotcha. I think. I think though, though that's like the main like six or seven. It's usually in the top ten. It's at six and seven who will most likely get the title shot first. But yeah. now that the lightweight title is you know vacated, I think I think it's gonna get down to maybe. I would like to see Charles Oliveira and McGregor because Charles Oliveira has been in the game for mad long mm-hmm. and was going up and down in his career, but is really starting to hit his hit his peak and hit his stride. I think he's on like a seven fight win streak now. Mm. He's killing shit. Okay, I yeah. just the best for Oliveira. There's a lot of good people coming out of um of Bellator, and the cool thing about Bellator is it's free on cable. Like you can just tune into the chat, you know, on on whatever channel it's on, and just watch kickboxing fights. I guess you know whenever, uh, I don't know when kickboxing season is, or uh, not just kickboxing but MMA too. Um, so yeah, uh, McGregor is back. We shall see how that turns out. Um. I am looking forward to watching it. I probably will come over to your place, Jude, and uh, I'm, uh, uh, for that. And uh, Amadi invited too. Yes, hey, <laughs> I did it. Imagine if we didn't. Imagine if we talked about it right in front of you and said, "Nah, nigga, you can't come." <laughs> as soon as I come to the door, he's like, "I think we changed our mind. You know, you might have to go back home." Ah, <laughs> uh, it's too many people. Uh, it's just two of y'all. Ah, close the door. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, I'm looking forward to that. Um. Yeah, man. And then our next segment, <laughs> political party. Oh, uh, this yeah. is, <laughs> this yeah. is when we uh, we. It's we, not a party right now. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> is, when we um, who are uh, we don't profess to be political professionals. By the way, if you want that, go listen to Just Too Opinionated, uh, Ali and Zuhair. We had them on our podcast. What's a plug? So, um, but what's a plug? Nice, yes, just got to plug the ladies. Um, but yeah, we definitely do want to make space sometimes if something happens in the political arena to bring the news to y'all. And there's no way that anyone listening to this podcast didn't hear about what happened in D.C. yesterday evening. Um, I mean, where to begin, I guess, at the start that uh, Donald Trump has been contesting the results of this presidential election since they were announced in November, right? Yeah. And yeah. Um, he has been calling state polls trying to get them to recount saying that he just wants them to find extra votes saying that you know the country is upset and that this is an injustice and that you can't just call fraudulent elections all of this culminates yesterday when unbeknownst to anyone except the people who knew about it uh proud boys and other alt-right groups stormed the u.s capitol and literally sieged it they walked into the building they may as well have (laughs) I'll hold that up. Disneyland. They like there are videos of and like obviously context is missing, but there are videos of Capitol Police removing 
the gates so that Mm -hmm. these people can pour into the building. And they were in there, feet up, Nintendo Switch plugged in. Yep. I mean, it was like a frat house. And the the photographs from this will be in textbooks for years to come, unless you're in Texas. I hope not. I don't want my kids to see this shit. They don't make proper textbooks in Texas. But uh, (laughs) everywhere else... (laughs) They will be there. Um, I, you know, while it's it's easy to like now, it's easier for me to kind of like look back and laugh at how ridiculous it was. But while it was happening, even though I was like going through and seeing everyone joke on Twitter and Chris Evans tweeted, and they were like, "Suit up, dude. We're <laughs> we need you out here." Um, <laughs> he was he's like, "Ain't you Captain America? <laughs> Do something." Um, but I felt really heavy. Like, you know, for me, I never really. Growing up in America, like I never really had any identification with like being an American person. So that's why like these last 10 years have been so wild because it's, you know, there's all these things to reckon with. And when I look at this, when I look at these people running in there saying, stop the steal, you know, um, FBLM, all this, like it just, I just, they're just empty. Like that's the sensation. I felt like emptiness from them because these people are people who have felt overlooked and abused for years right like a lot of these people like like rust like not just think about rich white people right like think about the rednecks and the hillbillies right like these people middle to middle to poor yes exactly who have lived in in abject poverty uh for years and they've been and the lie that they've been fed is is that it's because, oh, black and brown people are stealing your jobs. Oh, because drugs are coming in. Oh, because this, that, and the third. When in reality, it's because there's a very small group of people who are hoarding the majority of the wealth in the country. And I'm not saying this to sound like Bernie Sanders or try, you know what I mean? But it's like, there are strings being pulled that have much more to do with wealth than anything else. Um, I I highly suggest um, people look into this documentary called White Savior. Um, and it's, it's specifically about like how Christianity was turned into a, a white Eurocentric religion. Um, uh, but it like how that, how that myth kind of like started. But one of the things it gets into is the origin of the concept of race in America as it exists today. Um, give me one second. I want to look it up and make sure I get this guy's name. How far does the documentary go back? Does it go back to like mainly in America in the last like 200, 300 years or way back to like, I don't know, like the 16, 1500? It goes back early, like to early settlement and um, oh. stuff like that. Um, it really gets a gets an in-depth look. Um, but while while I look this up, um, what were y'all reactions to what was going on yesterday? Ahmad? Bet. All right. Um, so I woke up. And I was witnessing all of this, all of these videos on, 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 on Instagram and also Twitter. And then the the thoughts that were running through my head as I saw like the memes with the Proud Boys, you got uh, the the Blue Lives Matter people, you got you got the conf- people who s- still follow the Confederate flags as well as the police, all ganging up on each other and shit like that. And I was like, huh, this is funny. Um, 
not really going to pay too much attention to it. I wasn't really ranting on on social media or anything like that. I wasn't posting nothing. I just looked at it and I just went about my business. But the one thing that did catch me, because I'm, I'm going to just talk about that little section, then I'll go into Capitol Hill. Um, there was a there was a black woman in like the the circle with, surrounding all of those uh, organizations, and she was on her phone recording. And you see this white woman coming to her smacking her face and smacking her phone and then you know what's, what's your first reaction when someone do that you're gonna duff them right in their lip and so that's what happened she gave it that one piece not the anime but the one piece and had her <laughs> face <the> <laughs> she gave it that one. and her face was splurting blood on stuff like that you got the people coming to her talking about some who who did it to you who did it to you she said a black woman was it blm was it blm yeah it was blm yo they literally rang homegirl the black woman they rang her neck and put and like shoved her out of the circle and then they started wailing on her and i'm like are you serious and y'all and y'all saying that that black lives matter did that first of all if you smacking my phone and my face and you think that i'm gonna just walk away without checking you first come on dude please now capitol hill <laughs> i was in i was in shock but i was also laughing because this is a, it's a funny matter to me. I, I don't. I'm not taking things like this seriously too much because my friends they worked at Capitol Hill. They said the security is is top tier. So for them to just take those barricades off and have them walk in with ease, walk into these uh these these classified uh uh, uh sections of of the building, rip open these classified documents. And take pictures of it, and they sitting in their desks and stuff like that. Truly believe it, it was a setup. Truly believe it, it was a setup because nobody's gonna do that with ease. Somebody that we know, Justin, uh, who went to our high school, he's a full one hundred percent Trump supporter, gotcha. and supports the right like no other. And so he decides to compare this act with the. Black Lives Matter protests for George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, saying that, oh, y'all wasn't saying nothing when y'all were burning down them cities. But then we think about it. Didn't y'all plant these bricks and objects and certain explosives in these places so that the people who weren't for the cause just wanted to wreak havoc and take everything? But I'm just, I'm going to just leave it at that. No, there definitely was a lot of um, subterfuge. See, yeah... you know, times like this, they get, things get very heated and it's, um, you know, there's a lot of finger pointing. I did find, uh, uh, just for our listeners, um, look up the name Nathaniel Bacon. Um, Bacon was, uh, this is back in the 1600s, late 1600s, um, so late 17th century. It's always weird how it's like one after, but um, <laughs> essentially to, to really like, to really truncate the story, what Bacon was trying to do because back before there was chattel slavery, um, even black people, even Indian people were, could be indentured servants. Not every chattel slavery. Chattel slavery is what we call like what happened in the transatlantic slave trade. Like you're in shackles, like it's lifetime until you die. Like you're, you're doing. So prior to that, um, 
there were you people mean for like five minutes and then right <laughs> relatively like it was right. yeah you were you were in a, you were in a term of servitude there were some people who were slaves but uh you know there were white people who were indentured servants uh, mm-hmm. uh american indians or indigenous people and black people they were all existing in that sphere together and cool. bacon essentially cool. wanted to <laughs> bacon essentially wanted to organize what was sort of a prototype uh Poor People's March, something like what Martin Luther King was looking to do before he was assassinated, when he was looking to unite the Mexican uh, indigenous and black communities, right? So Bacon realizes, hey, if we, right, if we're all the um, the majority working force in this community, then we should have a bit more say. And so he leads these rebellions, uh, or maybe it's just one rebellion. And afterwards, the ruling class says, okay, we got to figure out a way to divide them because stuff like this can't be happening. And so this is where they said, okay, well, white people who are poor are still better than black people who are poor. And this is where they begin to commodify whiteness. So this is why like tying back into what we saw yesterday, the mm-hmm. loyalty of of being white is, is, is paramount above everything else. Yeah. Mitch McConnell, Senate Majority Leader, right, has mm-hmm. the poorest district in America. Where's his district? He's in, he's from Kentucky, I think. Ooh, poorest poorest people in America, but they continually reelect him because of whiteness, right? Shout out to Jack Harlow. <laughs> Is he from Kentucky? Yes, oh, from okay. Louisville. And <laughs> there you go. So so you see, but you see what I'm saying? Like so, like mm-hmm. all of that yesterday was just to me an expression of of emptiness of people feeling like oh we finally had someone who saw us even though trump was never one of y'all to begin with trump Mm -hmm. was an uh, a a northeast elite um rich boy the same person who republicans have been telling you to hate for for eight years and he's just a better salesman i guess so like it's that's what was it was really heavy for me because like in a way i pity them you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's not, it's not a, it's not an empathy or it's not like I, I excuse the supremacy that's behind it, but I just felt like, you know, it's like, forgive them for they know not what they do. Right. It's just this sort of like complete, like you poor bastard. Yeah. You're just, you're just too dumb. And that's like, there's a fine line between ignorance and innocence. Right. And sometimes mm. it comes down to a choice, but both of them are a lack of knowledge. So it's like, they, these people have made a choice most likely to remain ignorant um, and stay in their lack of knowledge because of mm-hmm. what has been presented to them as right. And that's why I was like, as, as much as I was laughing at some of the stuff, I was also like, this is, this is terrible. And it was one of the, you know, it was, it was one of those times where like people start talking about like, man, this country's for the birds and I'm trying to move out. And I, I was like, I, I understand. I get it. Like, I get it. Too. I get it. How, how were you reacting to the news? Jude? Dude, I'm fucking exhausted. I have a whole like little statement here. Like, dude, I'm exhausted. Yeah. It's scary that I'm not surprised by these actions. Mm. I don't think this is the boiling point. I don't think this is the end of it, you know? Mm. But um, I mean, I could be wrong. I'm not a political analyst. I don't think we have words of comfort for our listeners. Mm. There is nothing to be comforted by. And what action could we bring that we haven't tried already? Mm. What more can we say? Um if if black people did they if, if black people did this they they'd be pop right duh 
I mean, it, it was just some ideas I would have going on in my head. This is what I'm just kind of like reading. Yeah, yeah, of. yeah. But, I mean, all these are double standards. We all get it. We we hear this shit all the time. Right. I'm hearing this repeated, and I'm just tired of the repetition. I see the same post. I hear the same things. Like, I knew what people were going to say as it was happening. Yeah. If this is a Black Lives Matter protest, if these are Black people running up in Capitol Hill, they get popped. Yeah, that's or, right. I heard all these things for, and I'm just kind of tired of even our generation's outrage because it's just so repetitive. We say the same shit. Yeah. We do the same things over and over again. That's why I don't really catch me at protests like that because we'll say the same things. We'll go to the same place. We'll get hit with the same tear gas and we'll do it all over again. Yeah. Willingly. So is it now, like, how can we approach this differently is where I'm at now. Absolutely. That's the way you can get me with trying to change the country or change the world is we have to do something different on our side, but we have done a lot and I don't know what more else we can do. It's just very exhausting. Come to me with something new. Don't come to me with this is white privilege. Don't come to me with I'm outraged. Come to me with a new fucking idea. Yeah. (laughs) With a new alternative. Or is it finally time we check out? Is it finally time we, not just black people, Latino people, I'm saying uh, people who want a world full of kindness, acceptance, acknowledgement of grief, and respect for one another, people who want a world like that, where do we go from here? What do we want? You know, people like you, me, my my aunt, people I work with, Mm -hmm. your family, my family, our listeners, their family, people who want a world full of kindness, where do we go from here? Do we continue and stay in this country? Because, yo, we live here. All our shit's here. It's comfortable. What's a little fucked up? Or do we bounce and find someplace else or just take all the garbage that's in the ocean and build an island or some shit? <laughs> yeah. Can, if, if, if y'all permit me, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling um, compelled to get a little a little esoteric for a second, but it's going somewhere. So recently I've been doing a lot of um, Bible study and I've also, it's just been like kind of affecting my perspective. And so um, I watched uh, Wonder Woman 1984, which is like not that great. But one of the things that I thought was really interesting about it was the ending where, uh, and just spoiler alert, by the way, cause uh, you know, um, but it, it basically, the villain is he he's he gains the power to grant wishes you can give anyone anything that they want and at the end of the movie wonder woman has to has to use the lasso of truth to show people across the world that everyone getting what they want is not good for anybody because yeah. everyone has at some point felt scared everyone has at some point felt isolated everyone's felt like they want more or they want you know what i mean and if mm-hmm. everyone is getting that, then no one gets anything. Um, and the reason this ties into Bible study is because I've been reviewing the book of Genesis. Obviously, that talks about the creation of the world, right? And one of the biggest um, points of conflict for a lot of people is the idea that God put something in the garden that he knew would cause human strife, right? Like he put the tr- the knowledge of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And he said, don't eat from this tree or you'll surely die. And then it's this idea of, okay, well, why can't humans eat from a tree 
and know what good and evil are. But as I've been reading and learning and listening, I think the message is more so, you know, I'm not trying to like convert anybody right now, but I think what's the message is, is, is that's been ringing is that it's the same thing. If humans all take amongst themselves individually the authority to choose good and evil, then they'll only be looking for what is good and evil for them. And that is, I think like when you talk, when you were saying Jude, like when you were talking about people who want like kindness and all that, all that's like, we can think that that's a uniform thing, but mm-hmm. then when you get to the nitty gritty, like everyone's definition of what even being varied, yeah. is different. Right. So mm-hmm. that's why it's like, it's crazy because we don't, we don't have, not everyone has an objective standard. And so, um, I mean, I agree with you though. Like I have felt that fatigue and I think part of it is being, especially if you're a person of color, because you're either dealing with like other people of color telling you, you should do something or you're dealing with the guilt of non people of color. And being biracial, I have white privilege somehow. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. So it's, it's, all of this stuff is tied up and you can feel like you're caught in an echo chamber. So it's easy for you to just shut off. And that's, well, I've been there sometimes. That's like, what I have. That's what I've done ever since ever since Trayvon Martin. That's what I've done. Yeah, and you know what? And that's that's what you've needed to do for your yeah. for, the, for your sanity. You know what I mean? Thank you. And I know all. I mean, because I can say like I came, you know. I guess I would say I got woke. Whatever y'all want, whatever word you want to use for it was, you know, as far as my awareness of myself being a black man and how that's different from anything else or I guess being a white person specifically is when uh, Philander Castile and Alton Sterling were killed mm. uh, on like within hours of one another. Uh, mm. It was like June, 2016. And that was the first time I went to a protest. Uh, and that's, that's the technically the last time um, not, not on purpose, just cause like I, you know, I did it and I felt like I got my anger out. Cause that is on, I can tell y'all from being in a protest and maybe Ahmad, you've been to some, but it is fueled by anger. Like anyone who says that it's not is kind of lying. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of, there's a lot of emotions, but the predominant one is anger. And then underneath that is maybe sadness and there's fear. And, you know, so I was in that and I got out what I needed to get out. Um, And since then that's been like the turning point for me realizing like, yeah, things are, are jacked up in this country in a bigger way than I had known as a kid. Um, But yeah, I think that, Yesterday, what we saw and Trump's response to it was nothing short of, uh, I mean, he like, you know, someone made the joke that he basically said, like, daddy, we'll see you later, kittens. Like, I'll see you when I get home. <laughs> like, he, he was like, hey, guys, That's great. I, like the fact that the president of the United States says, I know how you're feeling to people we love you are trying to over like they if I'm sure if they could, if all of those people could have gotten their fingers underneath the Capitol building and flipped it over like a table, they would have. The fact oh, yeah. that he said that to those people, I mean, you, you it just every time with this guy, you look back at all the moments, even before he got elected, that you thought there's no way. Like not even just based on race, but based on him, him as a human being, there's no way that our country will choose this, this person to be the president. It did. Yeah. <laughs> well, where's Ja Rule? <laughs> Where is Ja? <laughs> I need Ja Rule to make sense of all this for me. <laughs> <laughs> what Ja Rule think? 
Yo, yo, do we gotta commit murder? Murder. <laughs> John Rule, you're gonna be here on time. Oh. You're gonna give me your all, John Rule, please. Oh. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, when we come back from the break, family, we'll have a conversation about something similar, but maybe a little more lighthearted when we talk about Disney Pixar's soul and some of the controversies surrounding that. Stay tuned. We're back. So um, recently, if you don't know, you were living under a rock. Uh, history, quote unquote, was made because Pixar Animation Studios released uh, a feature film called Soul, which features its first ever uh, black protagonist. Um, and he's played by Jamie Foxx, characters named Joe Gardner. But of course, uh, nothing is perfect. And uh, there was a lot of immediate controversy about the film. Um, so we thought we'd come here and talk about the movie in general, what we liked, what we didn't like, talk about the controversy, all that stuff. I'm going to open up with my thoughts, but prior to that, I'm going to give our listeners a bit of history on Pixar. So Pixar Animation Studios was founded in 1979. It was originally called Graphics Group, and it was part of the Lucasfilms computer division. Um, so thank George Lucas for Pixar, because it was after he made this that like all this stuff happened. Um, Can't think of for anything else. <laughs> it spun off into its own corporation in 1986 with funding from Steve Jobs, who became okay. the majority shareholder. Then in 2006, Disney Studios acquired Pixar at a valuation of $7.4 billion. Evaluation is essentially when a company comes and they look at the current assets of, of whatever company they want to buy, and they basically like match what the actual value is so they buy it for for a price that they expect it to eventually be worth um and so this made steve Jobs super rich and a lot of other people now in the 42 years that pixar has been pixar it has produced 23 feature films which have earned a combination of 21 academy awards the majority of those being for animated best animated feature nine golden globes and 11 grammys uh, so Ooh. Pixar is an entertainment giant. Um, and quick. when they say Disney Pixar, yes, sir. What are your favorite um, Pixar movies? Oh, well, we will get into, actually, we'll oh, do that at the that. end. That'll be, a, we'll do that at the end? that'll okay. be a thing at the end. And when we talk about Disney Pixar, when you see that logo on something, it means that Disney is backing either they they gave funding and they are also like pushing it they're distributing it into theaters but pixar is okay. its own animation studio as is disney disney puts out tangled frozen all that is disney animation pixar animation is toy story you know incredibles all that um so fast forwarding to june 2018 uh soul's director a man named pete doctor was asked by bob Iger, who is the walt disney chief executive to step in for John Lasseter, who had previously been the Pixar chief creative officer, because he had to step down during the Me Too movement. Uh, there were some allegations leveled against uh, Lasseter, which was a big blow because he was seen as this like 
the Wizard of Oz kind of like he had all this myth around him, but that was a lot of the old white men who got booted uh, during that period. They were all mythic creatures, and then turns out they're perverts too, like a lot of mythic creatures. Um, so oh, nice, <laughs> not nice, just a nice. No, how yeah, yeah, how that works. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nice. Um, yeah. So he <laughs> he was asked to step in, um, and at this point they had pushed the release date of the movie up for six months, but then they pushed it back after the pandemic started. Um, and mm-hmm. soul was built around a black protagonist after the decision to center it around jazz was made because um, uh, Pete doctor comes from a, a family of jazz musicians. And he thought that it would be a proper, um, what should we call it? Metaphor for the improvisation of life, which is a theme in the film. So oh. as far as how I feel about it personally, I basically wrote that I think Soul is a little clumsy. Uh, It's not graceless, uh, but it lacks some finesse, especially when you think about the issues that people have. Um, And I think in terms of race, you know, Pete Doctor avoids some potholes and he kind of like stumbles around others. Uh, As it turns out, while many people were concerned that Jamie Foxx's character would simply be disembodied and not visually black for most of the film, a la Princess and the Frog, what really happens is more complicated. In attempting to create a story that simultaneously represents a portion of black life and speaks to the universality of all life, Doctor's ambition sets him up for a massive turn, but he doesn't quite stick the landing. I found myself... Oh, spoilers again for Soul, if you haven't seen it. Um... (laughs) I found myself astonished watching the final 10 minutes when after his epiphany that life's beauty is in its small moments, Joe is willing to give up the ghost for an unborn soul who wouldn't even remember his sacrifice. I was relieved that the story didn't end that way, but I still can't shake that again, clumsy maneuver. And there's no escaping it. This is the big thing that people had a problem with. Tina Fey's voice coming out of the black character model that is Joe Gardner feels uncomfortable, even without considering that actress's checkered past in race-based comedy, and especially when that character is displaced into an animal. Uh, there is something to be said for how this equates to what's called digital blackface. And this is an mm-hmm. idea, I don't know if y'all have heard of it, um, but this columnist named Lauren Michelle Jackson, uh, she wrote um, a, a short uh, op-ed in 2017, and she was using it in terms of online discourse. So like when white people use a GIF of a black person doing yeah. like a head roll and to express something. Uh, and it, it started a lot of conversation, which kind of circled around here. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't think that it's, I think that it has a place because all the implications of a perceived white woman, even though she's, they go out of their way to say she's not, she doesn't like, she can make herself sound like whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But that doesn't change the fact that the movie cast a white woman to play, you know what I mean? Uh, and that white woman inhabiting a black man's body during a film which seeks to address the meaning of life isn't something that, you know, we can just kind of ignore. But I think at the end of the day, while the criticism exists, it's also true that the film is beautifully designed, animated and scored. And I think there's a lot of material here for young and old audiences alike. But like I said, I just think it's a little bit clumsy in how it seeks to deliver some of the messages. How did y'all feel about the movie? Go ahead, Brad, Mike. I thought it was a solid movie. I think I don't, I feel like I would have enjoyed it if I was a kid. I mean, I enjoyed it anyways. I now that you explained it that way, I can totally see how it was clumsy, how it but it tried to get a, a message across. It just didn't yeah. do it efficiently, you know? It didn't use its economy of motion well. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but I'd say it's a solid movie. Don't 
boycotted or anything. It's not ridiculous. It's 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 not a menstruation, which mm. is would be a real issue. When when you say sorry, when you say menstruation, did you mean like uh, menstrual? Like yeah, a, men- did, I, did I say menstruation? Like a you period? did, and I didn't want to let that go too far. But I was like, yeah, it says not a menstrual show. Oh, menstrual. God. Yeah. <laughs> it's an I and the E, bro. Yeah, like, yeah, it, yeah, it'll mess with you. Oh God. Thank you. No problem. But yeah, I'm glad if it was a menstrual show. <laughs> <laughs> Menstruation. Oh, oh man. Maybe, uh, I guess t- yeah, Tina Fey's a woman, and maybe. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh shit! But um, <laughs> oh damn. But anyways, does does Pixar make movies for kids anymore though? Because mm-hmm. other um, Pixar films have gotten really deep and pretty dark yeah. and very serious with um death emotions yes like uh up coco and inside out so to to your point by the way uh the other pixar films that pete doctor has directed up inside out monsters inc so (laughs) but he seems to be very interested in making movies that can explain the processes of of life in a way that's palatable for kids, right? And I think it's dope. I think that's important. I think yeah. that's the real important thing to do is what he's trying to do. He may not be doing it well. He may, he should get some help. He should get you, Justin. He should get you, Ahmad. Yo, Amir, he should holler at you. Uh, <laughs> any other writers out there? Because what he's trying to do is important because- yes. No, the intention was there. Like I, mm-hmm. I yeah, Death is inedible and it's scary as hell. I'm mm-hmm. terrified. And to make it less scary for kids, Mm-hmm. To make them not suffer with that anxiety of this is all going to be over someday. I don't know what life is all about. What am I going to do? And you introduce these movies to these kids. Yeah. And give them an understanding of it. So where they're not scared of it, they're aware of it. Yeah. And they can find their own way to accept that it'll happen one day. But continue on to live uh, a beautiful life. Mm-hmm. I think is is what what's important and what he's trying to do. He may not be doing it well, like you said. But I think all that intention is in there. And yeah. and those are pretty beautiful movies. You know, Up made my old babysitter who was, I think, how old was he when that came out? He was like 21, 22, around my age. And he, he used to never cry around me. Yo, he mm-hmm. was sobbing at Up. Uh, I was watching Coco recently for the first time. Remember me hit and just... Yes. Just... Yeah. You, know, you can forget you know, about it. You can forget. No. Oh, you think I'm gonna sit there? Yeah, no. Yo, I'm thinking about it now. I'm starting to well because the and movie. Yeah, we'll talk about favorites at the end because yeah, yeah, I, yeah. But the tears. Yes, yeah, and Inside Out is whatever. But I was reading an article on The Ringer about this, and they gathered a bunch of parents to see what the kids, you know, picked up, you know, and the kids weren't that excited about it, you know, mm-hmm. from all the previews. Uh, kids didn't really pick up the the messages. Uh, the, the messages went over the kids' heads usually. Yeah. Uh, the questions kids asked about the movie was, "Why does pizza come out their butt when they poop? <laughs> What's a personality? Or can I have my more ice cream?" Uh, what the kids found were funny. They didn't find a lot of funny parts. They weren't dying in this movie. Yeah. I had a couple of chuckles. My favorite part was uh. When the Knicks got blocked, yeah. <laughs> because this is true. That was hilarious, even for me. And 
you know, but the parent is it was more of the parents who were like, damn, this is kind of deep. Yes. This is, this is interesting. Oh, yeah. Shit. I want to hear, like, I'm curious, Ahmad, what you think, but I, I, to your point, Jude, I, you know, I almost wonder if it's like, when you look at some of these more recent movies, like maybe it's, they're, they're actually aiming more towards like, cause obviously they, the, the goal of animated movies and, or I guess for like, when you look at it, at the children market is you want to make something that the kids can shut up and look at for however long, but also that the parent can like kind of maybe enjoy. So that's why there's all those hidden jokes in SpongeBob and all that stuff, you know, obviously, but I do think that maybe like if you showed, if you showed soul inside out, like those movies, you showed them to like middle schoolers, you know what I mean? Like then yeah. that's, that's because they're young enough that like, they're still the demographic, but they're also old enough that they are thinking about those things, you know, mm-hmm. and inside out, they are thinking about their emotion. inside out's about puberty. So obviously, and they're yeah. they are thinking about like why they feel angry all the time. And also there's been like, I feel like we have grown up, our generation has dealt with more of this like nostalgia thing. Not really mm-hmm. dealt with, but we embrace this nostalgia thing. Going back to watching like old cartoons, mm-hmm. comic books, it's still trying to hold on to that childhood aspect of us. So it's also maybe just even just geared towards middle school and us, our yeah. generation, as our generation gets older. Because not for nothing, we the ones who got Disney Plus. <laughs> you right? You absolutely right. Ahmad, how do you feel about the movie? Um. So. Uh, for starters, this this movie, I watched it at around <clears throat> two o'clock in the morning, and I was like, "Okay, fuck it, uh, I'm not really going to sleep. I might as well just put this on." And off rip, I was in love with the music, mm-hmm. like yeah. putting that aspect of jazz back into one's mind. You know, mm-hmm. not a lot of people play jazz anymore. Not a lot of people play it on their on their phone or like they're traveling somewhere. Uh, I feel like jazz was forgotten. If you don't really, if 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 you don't if you don't really look into it, it's just like floating in the air. It's just a floating m- music genre now. A lot yeah. of people want to go into other stuff that is more upbeat and get, gets the body moving. But you know, from time to time, I like to put it on whenever I feel like I, I want to put some jazz in my system. And that was yeah. one thing that I did appreciate of of that movie Soul. And um. At first, the when 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 I read the the articles re like talking about how they eliminated not, not really it not, not really I wouldn't I don't want to say that word but like taken out of the animation of Joe Gardner and putting him into this little blue soul thing going into the great beyond. Uh, well, the uh, spoiler, sorry y'all. Um, yeah. And, the great before uh, the great beyond is the death place the great before is the yeah yes yes and then him meeting up with you know uh tina Fey's character 22 but mm-hmm. it was a way of um me looking at that throughout the time i was like well what we want to see is just him being joe gardner himself having that animation him as a black man uh walking through his life but then um i kind of liked how in the movie, Tina Fey's character um, put him onto like the greater side of of life that he was missing out on, and I told and I I relate to that because you know a lot of people have this drive to go for something that they want, but yes. then they forget about the things that are around them. They're only they're only seeking 
it's it's a lot of people now that they're they're seeking this this instant fame um that will shoot them up to to the top yeah and so with that you know um the meaning of life at, mm-hmm. at the end when he was just he put on he put all the items that uh 22 had obtained throughout the, the movie and he mm-hmm. just went on a whole uh astral pro, pro projection and played mm-hmm. that, that, that song and when when he cried i didn't cry but like that that shit hit me it mm-hmm. hit me because a lot of people are forgetting about the people that they motivated yes. or inspired throughout their lives yes and so that's what i appreciated about the movie that the movie it, it was it was cool. It was it was a cool movie to, to watch and it was something to think about. And I agree with what you were saying of how this is sort of pertained to um I would say high school, mm-hmm. college, and also adults, you know, not to have anything go uh as quickly as possible. Yeah. He your, your time. I mean, when you think about it, he, uh, first, I just want to let you know, I think your beard might be scratching your microphone a little bit, but it's, (laughs) but, but to your point, Joe Gardner is like a 45 year old protagonist. Right. Like that's, you know, I mean, he's a middle-aged single man, you know, and, and he's working class. He's a teacher, you know, his life is not, he's not like a kid who goes on an, I mean, he goes on an adventure, but you know what I mean? So even the window in to the movie, to the story is an older perspective is, is, is it's an older look at the world. And I, and I think that it's, I mean, just to talk about things I like, cause there are a lot of things I like in this movie. My viewing experience was kind of staggered because we started the movie. Um, like my dad had wanted to see it. So I was watching with my dad and my mom. And then at one point I had to rewind it cause dad fell asleep. And then my sister came home 40 minutes in and then we restarted it. So I had like seen the first 40 minutes twice. And so for me, I was like, but I think that kind of affected my mood while I was watching it. But there were a lot of things I liked. For example, um, I really liked how they dealt with the concept of like, you know, personality. I love the design of the Jerry's, how they're these, you know, like one thing my, my, uh, uh, my friend Danny pointed out, um, my future co-host on the Medium Work, just another plug for that. Uh, one thing he pointed out, though, was that obviously one of the big motivations for these movies is to make toys. Uh, it would be very hard to make a toy out of the Jerry's because of how yeah. they look. You know what I mean? So he was like, I he appreciated the artistic uh, commitment to making something that looked different. I've never seen something like that in a, in a, in a Pixar movie. Um I I did think as far as humor, most of the stuff in the soul realm worked as far as like Tina Fey's jokes when they were trying to figure out like what her purpose, what her spark is. A lot of that humor worked when they got to earth is when like stuff maybe wasn't as funny for me. Um, I really, really liked the lost soul part. That was dope. I yeah. thought that was really deep. First of all, when they when they talked about the zone being like a, a space between the, 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 the physical and the spiritual, but the idea that like, these no, these people aren't dead, but they kind—they're a living death kind of because they've been so lost in what they've been doing. And I like how they also connected that to even like artists, right? Like because the, the first example is this guy who's a stockbroker, and so yeah. he's sitting at his desk, make a trade, make a trade, make a trade, and he's lost all sense of who he is. But it could also be that an artist can get too committed to their craft 
and they can become lost in that. So like you said, Ahmad, I, like, and I think it's all building up to exactly that point where he has the show, it's the night of his life, and then he doesn't know what to do after it. Right. I got chills watching when he's standing outside with Angela Bassett's character, um, Dorothea, mm-hmm. and she tells him like, you know, the whole thing about uh, the, the young fish swimming up to the old fish. And he says, I'm looking for the ocean. He says, you're in it. Now this is water. I'm looking for the ocean. Like it's this sort of don't miss the forest or you can't see the forest for the trees, right? You're looking at the one thing and you can't understand the grandness of what you're already in. That's how right? like some Bruce Lee shit. Don't right. focus yeah. so much on the finger. Yeah. <laughs> You'll miss all that heavenly glory. Exactly. Right? It sounds like the same thing. Exactly. It's, it's, it, it's so I that was what was that blew my mind that they put that message in a movie like this. Um, and so I just like when I say clumsy is because I think that like after like in and around there's just all this other stuff that kind of messes with that, but I still think that theme is very intact. This idea of experience your life you know what i mean like that experience that he had can be as great as it was and not and that doesn't have to be the sum of his experience i mean it's it's one night you know i mean you don't know you don't even know what what opportunities might come after it you don't you know what i mean he was just focused on the night yeah and so i think that was really really well done and i do think it was brave of pixar to make of of the director and i mean because to your point jude the writer of the film uh, was, he had just worked on this movie One Night in Miami on Amazon, which directed by Regina King. Um, and I, I have to watch, I might watch that today. Um, but so it was, a, it was a black man who, who at least was one of the co-writers. Wait, um, the Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, Jim Brown kind of movie that's coming out? I, 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 Malcolm X I is in it. Yeah. I think I just saw like a trailer for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, one of the writers on that is a writer on this. Um, so, yeah, there was there was that awareness of it, and and one that was reading, um, I was reading a profile on Pete Doctor in the Hollywood Reporter, and that's where I got the information about like how he's taken over as chief creative officer, and he does want to make an effort to make Pixar a more diverse place, more women, more people of color. So that's great. Um, he himself is a is a white man. Um, I. But I really think like those are some of the things that stuck out to me. And I also I also appreciated that they like the scene where Joe is talking to his mother, but it's when 22 is in his body. You know what I mean? And so like when I was hoping that they would do this and they did, they switched and they had Jamie Foxx's voice back inside Joe's body so that for the moment, for that moment, which is an important moment for his character, it was the character doing it. Like I, it would have been a disservice if we heard Tina Fey giving the mom that monologue. And I think they realized that, which is why they let Jamie Foxx do it. When he was talking about, you know, this is what I want to do. Like, this is who I am. I don't care about my career. It's about my art. You know, um, I thought that was really commendable that they did that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like I, 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 you know, I always say that there are multiple things that can be right. And I think this movie can have some things that it misses, but there are a lot of good moments in it, too. What were some of y'all favorite moments? And real quick, I think it's also pretty dope and interesting that it came out during quarantine. Mm-hmm. You know, with everything, we're forced to stop and slow down. Yes. And yeah, we can't do anything, but we now really have to focus in on what can be important and what is important. Yes. You know, but that could be to whoever it is. It's, you know, there's variables to this, but it, we're forced to slow down. And now we're watching a movie about slowing down. 
yeah. about a really appreciating the small moments. And that could Absolutely. be to any of us. It could be to Ahmad picking out his hair. <laughs> you know, Justin. I got my like, pick in right now, actually. You know, you know, <laughs> me swimming or something. Mm-hmm. Just focusing on those small moments of, you know, of joy that we really appreciate. You know. Watch, watch your mic on your shirt. Okay, my bad. It's a little, it's a little rough. Um, yeah. The moments that we enjoy, you know, watching the birds, hearing the leaves whistle, hearing the crickets. Yeah. You know, things like that. And that was that was so cool that, like, I mean, even, again, like, for 22's character, for her to realize that her spark was just life itself. Like, yeah. she just she just wanted to live and she had never, she had to be there to experience it. You know, I think that was the sentiment of that is really powerful too. I know some people might have, some people might've had issue with the barbershop scene cause they kind of interpreted it as like, Oh, like she's fixing his life for him. But I didn't really see it like that necessarily. I think it's more so that Joe was kind of self-absorbed. Like yeah. you can, you can be a selfish person. That doesn't mean that you're like arrogant. It just means that you're only focused on yourself. Right. You could you like, you could still be <clears throat> introverted and selfish. You could, you know, being selfish doesn't automatically mean you're a bad person or you know what I mean? But like, yeah, he he's like, how come I never knew about that? You never asked. You right. never asked. And like, honestly, some I don't ask. I don't ask my barber about his life necessarily. You know, I go there, sit down, get my hair cut. If we talk, we talk. But but yeah, you never know. Like he this is somewhere he'd been going. He knew all this stuff about this dude or he thought he did. did you come to find out he didn't. I didn't mean to be a barber. I meant to be a vet. But then this happened, you know, so I thought that was that was really interesting, too. Um, you have any favorite moments, Ahmad? Uh, I, have, I actually have a few. Um, I, I really liked the one thing that I really liked that it was. Oh my god, it was definitely the music. The music as a whole was great. Mm-hmm. When they would, when when Joe would go into some of these shops and they would have music playing in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard uh, 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 Erica Badu's "Apple Tree." When yeah, Miles' <laughs> fashion store, and the funniest part was when um, he. <laughs> It was it was his one of his mom's girlfriends. She was at the front desk. She was like, "So you're not gonna give me no kiss?" And so he was like, "Oh, well, I always give her a kiss anytime I see her." Her face, she went right. <laughs> I was on the floor. I replayed that three times. <laughs> I was like, "That is exactly what somebody's aunt would do if you yes. get if you shoo away from giving them a kiss." And it's like. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, they definitely, and that's how you can tell it was written by a black person, even if some of the vision wow. of it wasn't executed well. But like, just the 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 atmosphere and the environment when they were in black spaces did feel yeah. very, uh, did feel uh, accurate to me, as accurate as it can be. And that's the thing about these movies is that, you know, they even even when they are trying to represent one group. They still have to appeal to everybody. And this movie is kind of doing that in a meta way because the movie is about everybody. It's about like everyone, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think as far as, you know, as far as representation animation, I I would, I, I guess it does maybe do a better job as far as like adult politics than Princess and the Frog. But let's not act like there aren't little black girls who would watch Princess and the Frog and want to be Princess Tiana because I've seen that. And we shouldn't invalidate that just because like, that's the thing. Like sometimes as adults, we can be like very like, you know, we can get grumpy because we're jaded and and we have to pay taxes. <laughs> like we, <laughs> we don't need to take away from, you know, the little, the little girl who sees Tiana 
and wants to dress up as her for Halloween just because then Tiana's a frog for 70% of the movie. You know what I mean? And, and, and there's still, there's still a story there, you know, that's happening. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think ultimately the movie is, I enjoyed it and I think there's a lot to take, uh, from it. Um, now I wouldn't rank it as one of my favorite Pixar movies yet, but no, we can no. get into what we, what we would now you want to do what a top five, five oh, or God. three. I mean, we no, could do I'll, I'll do, I'll do a five. Cause if I do three, it'll be way too hard, but gotcha. all right. Okay. Top of the top, uh, toy story. Uno, number okay. uno. Um, that's also like I'm mention for me and my mom because me and my mom love Toy Story growing up, so that's up to moms. Um, and I'm just gonna include all Toy Stories in there because I'm not gonna. It, it's all one long ass movie. <laughs> um, my personal is uh, Incredibles. Mm-hmm. Incredibles mm-hmm. all day. Mm-hmm. I will rewatch Incredibles till the day I die. Uh, other favorites in my Monsters Inc. Mm-hmm. Monsters yep. Inc. was very was very important. Uh, dang. And now that I think about it, I, I guess I haven't seen that many Pixar movies because I was just focused on Toy Story, Incredibles, and Monsters, Inc. Um, well, you pretty much got, because a lot of them are then sequels, you know? So yeah, you pretty yeah, much so got guess, most of them. Yeah, you know, uh, Coco, a totally new installment for me. When I saw Coco, I watched it during the, watched it during the election because I tried to avoid all this shit. <laughs> and... Um, you know what? I'm just gonna stick with that four. I can't come up with a fifth one because Ratatouille was cool, Cars was cool. I didn't mm-hmm. see Up, I didn't see Inside Out, and I don't understand why Wally is considered number one. But well, okay, that's a good list. Ahmad, you have you have your your four or five? Yeah, um, definitely at the top is uh, most definitely Incredibles. I have loved that movie as well as the game. I had it on my PS2 as well. As- <laughs> Wait, is that the one where you're where you're Mr. Incredible in Frozone? Yes, oh, I, I never got that. No, no, no. Yeah. No, first one when you're everybody. When you're the yes, I had that. I had that one for the Game Boy uh, Advance SP. As a matter of fact, I had over the GameCube. I had that too. Let's see if I can find my cartridge. Yeah, come on now, come on. That game was yo, fire. All right, yo, yo. Since y'all not watching this, yo, Justin is really right out here trying to find his gay boy SP. Wait, <laughs> yo, what's up? There yo, you is. find your. So I don't, I don't, I don't know where my actual Game Boy is. I might have given it away, but I do for some reason still have the cartridge for. <laughs> and and it was that two D side scroller where yeah. you yeah. beat him up. Yeah, hey! that game. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that was such a good game. game. It was such a good game. So yeah. good. I had it on the PS2. That that thing is legendary. Uh, PS2 will always be legendary. But incredible mm-hmm. on that game was fire. When I, my favorite my favorite person to play in that game was honestly Dash, mm. and also Elastigirl. She was fire. Um, but sorry, moving on. I, I just it's it off. Second game. <laughs> Yeah, the second game, yeah, I heard a lot about that one. The it's one crazy. with him and Frozone. When you can be Frozone, when you can play Samuel Jackson. That's where game, you want to be. That's where you want to go. It's different. That's I where believe, you want to go. The reason why Samuel Jackson's not in the Grand Theft Auto game, I don't understand. But you would think he would be, right? Maybe. What's your next one, Amad? Um, it's definitely it's definitely Toy Story. Um, uh, Toy Story, Toy Story Two. Uh, that's gonna be in the same one, the same one. Uh, 
I haven't. It's so funny, and I'm gonna still say this, and I know y'all might be a little upset, but I, uh, for the viewers too, I still haven't seen Toy Story four. But I'm gonna still, I'm gonna watch it. Nor have I. It, Nor have it, I. There we go. I'm glad we're all on the same page. <laughs> um, I really, really liked Wally when it came out. That's number oh, two. Yeah. Wally is definitely a top tier one. Um, what's, oh Lord, I just I just had it in my head. Coco is there. It was like three in the morning when I watched it. Bro, you be sitting up that late. I I might be trying to call me at two thirty in the morning, and I'm like, Ahmad, I'm. We sleep, bro. I'm still social. I don't know if I'm still social at this hour. It's not that I don't be awake. (laughs) Shut your mouth. I was crying at the end. I was crying at the end. My friends were like, oh, you going to cry at the end? It hits hard. And I was like, yo, when she smiled, I said, God damn it. Oh, God. You Remember? can't. You can't, dude. You can't. Are you? Wait, was that your five? Uh, No. no the last one will be in the top five will be Lightyear. That new, that up there. I don't care. I don't care. I haven't seen Onward or anything. I haven't seen Brave or nothing like that. So those those movies, they're they're in my tops. Yes. Go ahead, Jess. Yes. Well, um, uh, Incredibles is number one for me um, as far as Pixar, and uh, it's number three as far as animated movies of all time. I have done really? I have done my ranking uh, for that. I might have to switch it around, but yeah, I think like it was, it was one for a while and then into the spider verse came out. It knocked it down two places though. No. Well, well, I think what, what also though, Emperor's new groove was kind of always like it was one and two. Yeah. But um, yeah. So Incredibles is one for me. And then uh, I really like, and I've been confronted with this recently. I do not remember enough about the first Toy Story to say whether or not it's a favorite of mine. I do know that I really like the third Toy Story movie. Um, and so I, I would put that up there specifically. Um, although Toy Story 3 has the weight that it does because of the other two movies. But when they're sitting around that fire and they're like, this is it. I'm like, yeah. I'm crying about my plastic. Mom, my mom was like... <laughs> crying yeah bro that 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 almost took me out so toy story 3 uh monsters inc i will also say is up there um, yeah probably number three for me coco absolutely just like both of y'all probably i approached it like man this ain't nothing and then when she starts bro when she starts singing along, I get chills every time I think about it. I'm sitting there with my sister, and we're like, I, <laughs> we're looking at the I'm, screen. I look over at her. She looks at me, eyes red, yeah. red eyes. And yeah. and that, you know, the Coco is much like um, Soul and much like I think what is probably my fifth choice might be Inside Out. Um, they both, they're, they're all kind of like, they're all part of that new wave of what you were talking about, Jude. Yeah. Where like they're they are tackling things that are more intense. I it's it's tough between Inside Out and um, Ratatouille is cool, but Inside Out for me, I just remember that point where the girl comes home, like she she's about to run away, like get on the bus and run away, but then she comes back home, and they finally like after after Joy's whole thing, she finally lets sadness touch the control pad or whatever. So that she can emote to her parents, 
and she breaks down in front of them, I was like, that's exactly what you needed to do movie. Because that was, that was what the whole movie was building up to is like, we think that being happy is the thing if we're just happy, but then like, if someone is trying to force us to feel happy, then that's just going to piss us off further. And then anger is going to come in because like, you know, Stan says this, Jude, Stan always talks about how anger is like a um, derivative emotion, how very rare. I mean, he says it's, it's never just anger. I don't know if it's never, but he says, advisor for those listening. Yeah. A lot of the time it's, um, it's sadness or fear covered up. Yeah. So, you know, and that's kind of what I was talking about earlier with the, with the protesting and everything. So like when they finally let sadness realize that that was the only way for her to feel better as if she cried. So her parents could comfort her. That part of the movie really hit. So inside out might be the fifth one uh, and Pixar specifically, but yeah, I mean, they, they, they have a good record um, and we'll see what comes, what's coming up next on their page. They, they have a few projects. There's one called Luca, which is going to take place in Italy. So that might be for you, Jude. <laughs> and they have one called Turning Red, uh, which is like a it's like a Chinese American thing, and then Lightyear in 2022. Mm. We all alpha Lightyear. <laughs> I'm oh, just you saying. Are- Harlem's very own Lightyear commentary. We'll see oh, the commentary. Live commentary. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if we can set that up. Y'all two would be the more, the more interested in it than I would probably. I mean, Chris Evans is in it, so that's me. I am kind of, I, well, before that, I'm going to have to rewatch Toy Story. Um, but that is our, how we feel about soul. I think if y'all, if y'all were going to give it like, let's do five stars. That's the letterbox system. So out of, out of, out of five stars, what would you give it? Cuatro, four. I would give it a nice four. I'll give it a nice four. Three and a half. No. <laughs> <That's>, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> no i um no i think four is fair i think four is fair um yeah that that soul it's a little preview at least on my end for the type of stuff i'll be talking about on uh the movie podcast um do you gentlemen have your songs of the week this oh, week cool, cool. so uh i recently got hooked onto this song just out of nowhere it was on it was on a shuffle on a little miss hits playlist mm-hmm. and it's called light turn green um it's uh has a nice little nice little feel to it oh my goodness you guys can just on spotify apple music light turn green it is a nice little fire head bopper type of type of beat so go and gotcha. check it out, i will look into that jude uh until i say so by Chantel may i was looking at other artists you know appears on mm-hmm. and you know she showed up and I think the song's fire. And the artist was West Side Guy. <laughs> so. Gotcha. <laughs> yin and yang. I get, you know, you get this sexy R&B thing. And then you get, you know, some gangster shit, which is. Right. I don't know. That, that is know. the balance that we, that, we all, that we all must strike. Um, mm-hmm. I'll say for me, I mean, actually, now I'm looking at my Spotify. I haven't been listening to too much music recently. Uh, but I was watching this movie, Sylvie's Love, on Amazon. Fantastic movie. And they had they featured a song in there called "To Be Loved" by Jackie Wilson. So this is an oldie, but it's a really really sweet love ballad. Uh, highly recommend it to our listeners if you just want to put something on and two step in in the living room with your stuffed animal. Uh, so <laughs> that is a wrap for us today. First of all, let's give it up for Ahmad's first day as our third mic. Thank you, sir. Oh man, oh, man. I thank you, sir. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, we're looking forward to many more episodes with you, my brother. And uh, our next episode will be something that is at least highly anticipated for me and Jude. We've talked about it a bunch. We will finally be getting our Sifu yes, on the show and talking to him about his history in the martial arts and uh, as a direct descendant of Bruce Lee's lineage, um, not genetic, uh, martial arts lineage. Crazy. Imagine. <laughs> um so with a Puerto Rican woman. Right. <laughs> so just uh so just know in advance that our next episode will be very martial arts heavy, but our Sifu is just like us. You know, he's he can talk about a lot of other things too. Um so it, it, I I won't be surprised if it goes a lot of places. But until then, if you want more uptown love, you can always check out our back catalog on as it turns out most of you listen to us on Apple Podcasts. Uh there's also Spotify. Keep it right here for the rest of the month, folks, and look forward to February. Uh, Black History Month is going to be pretty lit too. We have some nice uh, episodes lined up for that. Yeah, 2021 is going to be, it's, it's already looking lit. It's already looking lit. But until then, blessings and blessings, y'all. Be easy. Deuces. Peace and chicken grease.